Suicides by Guy de Maupassant, 1850-1893 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Tomlinson Suicides by Guy de Maupassant To Georges Legrand Hardly a day goes by without our reading a news item like the following in some newspaper. On Wednesday night the people living at number 40 Ruda were awakened by two successive shots. The explosion seemed to come from the apartment occupied by Monsieur X. The door was broken in and the man was found bathed in his blood still holding in one hand the revolver with which he had taken his life. Monsieur X was fifty-seven years of age, enjoying a comfortable income, and had everything necessary to make him happy. No cause can be found for his action. What terrible grief, what unknown suffering, hidden despair, secret wounds, drive these presumably happy persons to suicide? We search we imagine tragedies of love, we suspect financial troubles, and as we never find anything definite, we apply to these deaths the word mystery. A letter found on the desk of one of these suicides without cause, and written during his last night, beside his loaded revolver, has come into our hands. We deem it rather interesting. It reveals none of those great catastrophes which we always expect to find behind these acts of despair, but it shows us the slow succession of the little vexations of life, the disintegration of a lonely existence, whose dreams have disappeared. It gives the reason for these tragic ends, which only nervous and high-strung people can understand. Here it is. It is midnight. When I have finished this letter, I shall kill myself. Why? I shall attempt to give the reasons, not for those who may read these lines, but for myself, to kindle my waning courage, to impress upon myself the fatal necessity of this act which can, at best, be only deferred. I was brought up by simple-minded parents who were unquestioning believers, and I believed as they did. My dream lasted a long time. The last veil has just been torn from my eyes. During the last few years a strange change has been taking place within me. All the events of life, which formerly had to me the glow of a beautiful sunset, are now fading away. The true meaning of things has appeared to me in its brutal reality, and the true reason for love has bred in me disgust even for this poetic sentiment. We are the eternal toys of foolish and charming illusions, which are always being renewed. On growing older, I had become partly reconciled to the awful mystery of life, to the uselessness of effort, when the emptiness of everything appeared to me in a new light, this evening, after dinner. Formerly I was happy. Everything pleased me, the passing women, the appearance of the streets, the place where I lived, and I even took an interest in the cut of my clothes. But the repetition of the same sights has had the result 
of filling my heart with weariness and disgust, just as one would feel were one to go every night to the same theatre. For the last thirty years I had been rising at the same hour, and at the same restaurant for thirty years I had been eating at the same hours, the same dishes brought me by different waiters. I have tried travel. The loneliness which one feels in strange places terrified me. I felt so alone, so small on the earth, that I quickly started on my homeward journey. But here the unchanging expression of my furniture, which has stood for thirty years in the same place, the smell of my apartments, for with time each dwelling takes on a particular odour, each night these and other things disgust me and make me sick of living thus. Everything repeats itself endlessly, the way in which I put my key in the lock, the place where I always find my matches, the first object which meets my eye when I enter the room, make me feel like jumping out of the window and putting an end to those monotonous events from which we can never escape. Each day when I shave, I feel an inordinate desire to cut my throat, and my face, which I see in the little mirror, always the same, with soap on my cheeks, has several times made me weak from sadness. Now I even hate to be with people whom I used to meet with pleasure. I know them so well, I can tell just what they are going to say, and what I am going to answer. Each brain is like a circus, where the same horse keeps circling around eternally. We must circle around always, around the same ideas, the same joys, the same pleasures, the same habits, the same beliefs, the same sensations of disgust. The fog was terrible this evening. It enfolded the boulevard, where the street lights were dimmed and looked like smoking candles. A heavier weight than usual oppressed me. Perhaps my digestion was bad. For good digestion is everything in life. It gives the inspiration to the artist, amorous desires to young people, clear ideas to thinkers, the joy of life to everybody, and it also allows one to eat heartily, which is one of the greatest pleasures. A sick stomach induces scepticism, unbelief, nightmares, and a desire for death. I have often noticed this fact. Perhaps I would not kill myself if my digestion had been good this evening. When I sat down in the armchair where I had been sitting every day for thirty years, I glanced around me, and just then I was seized by such a terrible distress that I thought I must go mad. I tried to think of what I could do to run away from myself. Every occupation struck me as being worse even than inaction. Then I bethought me of putting my papers in order. For a long time I have been thinking of clearing out my drawers, for, for the last thirty years, I have been throwing my letters and bills pell-mell into the same desk, and this confusion has often caused me considerable trouble. But I feel such moral and physical laziness at the sole idea of putting anything in order that I have never had the courage to begin this tedious business. I therefore opened my desk, intending to choose among my old papers and destroy the majority of them. At first I was bewildered by this array of documents, yellowed by age. Then I chose one. Oh, if you cherish life, never disturb the burial place of old letters. 
and if perchance you should take the contents by the handful close your eyes that you may not read a word so that you may not recognize some forgotten handwriting which may plunge you suddenly into a sea of memories carry these papers to the fire and when they are in ashes crush them to an invisible powder or otherwise you are lost just as i have been lost for an hour the first letters which i read did not interest me greatly they were recent and came from living men whom i still meet quite often and whose presence does not move me to any great extent but all at once one envelope made me start my name was traced on it in a large bold handwriting and suddenly tears came to my eyes that letter was from my dearest friend the companion of my youth the confidant of my hopes and he appeared before me so clearly with his pleasant smile and his hand outstretched that a cold shiver ran down my back yes yes the dead come back for i saw him our memory is a more perfect world than the universe it gives back life to those who no longer exist with trembling hand and dimmed eyes i re-read everything that he told me and in my poor sobbing heart i felt a wound so painful that i began to groan as a man whose bones are slowly being crushed then i travelled over my whole life just as one travels along a river i recognised people so long forgotten that i no longer knew their names their faces alone lived in me in my mother's letters i saw again the old servants the shape of our house and the little insignificant odds and ends which cling to our minds yes i suddenly saw again all my mother's old gowns the different styles which she adopted and the several ways in which she dressed her hair she haunted me especially in a silk dress trimmed with old lace and i remembered something she said one day when she was wearing this dress she said robert my child if you do not stand up straight you will be round-shouldered all your life then opening another drawer i found myself face to face with the memories of tender passions a dancing pump a torn handkerchief even a garter locks of hair and dried flowers then the sweet romances of my life whose living heroines are now white-haired plunge me into the deep melancholy of things oh the young brows where blonde locks curl the caress of the hands the glance which speaks the hearts which beat that smile which promises the lips those lips which promise the embrace and the first kiss that endless kiss which makes you close your eyes which drowns all thought in the immeasurable joy of approaching possession taking these old pledges of former loves in both my hands i covered them with furious caresses and in my soul torn by these memories i saw them each again at the hour of surrender and i suffered a torture more cruel than all the tortures invented in all the fables about hell one last letter remained it was written by me and dictated fifty years ago by my writing teacher here it is my dear little mamma i am seven years old to-day it is the age of reason i take advantage of it to thank you for having brought me into this world your little son who loves you robert
It is all over. I had gone back to the beginning, and suddenly I turned my glance on what remained to me of life. I saw hideous and lonely old age, and approaching infirmities, and everything over and gone, and nobody near me. My revolver is here on the table. I am loading it. Never re-read your old letters. And that is how many men come to kill themselves and we search in vain to discover some great sorrow in their lives. End of Suicides by Guy de Maupassant Recording by Peter Tomlinson